Is that what I'm saying? Rough Trade Radio. 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 How's that? and welcome to this very special episode of Rough Trade Radio. My name's Liv Siddle and I'm here with Daniel Rachel. Hello. Hey, Liv. How are you today? I'm really good. I've got coffee. Yes. <laughs> I've got a black Americano. And when that's, when that's present, the world <laughs> is well and good. <laughs> that's great. I mean, you must feel really happy like five times a day. No, once and twice at the most. That's all. Oh, I really? Need. That's all I need. I, I kind of, uh, I, I, I wait till after lunch, so it's something to look forward to all <laughs> all morning, and then this treat happens once a day. But I didn't make it; you made it, and that, and so now it's only half as good because I think it, it coffee's a, a bit like records and records over digital, and that the act of making it and being involved with it is is half the fun. So you know when you get a record, yeah. Add, then, then the, you read, look at the pictures, and then you you read the sleeve and the lyrics on the inner sleeve, and then you the act of putting the vinyl on, and and then you know that you've kind of got to dedicate yourself for nineteen or twenty minutes to flip it over to side two. Yeah. And I like that idea that 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 it's a concentrated time. It's a ceremony. It's a ceremony, and it's the same when you make coffee. And I love all that, just uh, you know, putting into a stove pot mm. the the water and then the. Then the, how many spoonfuls, and then the weighting of it, and it's it reminds me of when I was uh, a student. We I spent two weeks in the London Buddhist Centre, and we made a film. Cool. And the guy that ran it said uh, he had loads and loads of little sayings, and one of his sayings was, "When when you make a cup of tea, make it the single most important thing you're doing at that moment in your life." And I knew what he meant, and it's wow. become more and more significant for me since. That's amazing. It is in a way. Doing one thing at a time and making exactly. sure that what you're doing is important and it's not a throwaway. And you just enjoy it, yeah, and, and, and surrender yourself to the moment. So surrendering yourself to a great record or to making a cup of great coffee. Yes. Well, that's a brilliant thing to do. Or even um, I think the same can be said for making a sandwich and oh. really taking your time with that. When I was freelancer, I used to dedicate a good old hour to making the sandwich. An hour? <laughs> yeah. All I mean. so, yeah. I know someone makes it for you, it's nice, but you know they haven't got the mayonnaise right, they've maybe used the wrong bread. Yeah. You know, they've used the end of the loaf. Anyway, I won't go on. Oh, same with rolling cigarettes too. Oh, uh, yeah. Another one. Um, for some of us, not all of us. Yeah. Um, so no, Loads <laughs> of people will relate to that because yeah. there's something in the act of rolling, isn't there? Yeah. But not with my, my friends as I'm the worst joint roller in the world <laughs> but I insist on having a go yeah. <laughs> even if I'm not going to smoke it it's how long you can get you through mean. without somebody snatching it <laughs> you oh, get off it you're not touching our stuff you're ruining it yeah. you're dropping it everywhere yeah <laughs> classic um, so you know that was a great conversation and that's the end of the podcast thank you very much for listening everybody um, no you are here because um, well I'm so glad you're here because you have got this amazing book that you have created uh, now an award winning book which is called Walls Come Tumbling Down, The Music and Politics of Rock Against Racism. So this book actually came out last September, is that correct? Hardback. Yeah, and it's the Music and Politics of Rock Against Racism, Two-Tone and Red Wedge. So it's a 16-year period. Got it. Uh, uh, and although it's not in the title, the end piece is Artists Against Apartheid. So there's actually four movements it, it manages to... Uh, to get in there. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Crammed in. How many pages is that? Oh, hundreds and hundreds. <laughs> it's one to it's one to beat fascists with. <laughs> it's that heavy. If in Not doubt. with the new soft soft cover though. You know perhaps. how Paul McCartney always used to say, if you're in a band, make sure you have a demo in your bag, just in just in case. You don't know who you might meet. Well my 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 advice is always carry a copy of Walls Come Tumbling Down in case you stumble into a fascist and you've got a six hundred page book to whack him out of <laughs> out of King United Kingdom come. <laughs> Have you ever whacked anyone around the head with a book? No, I'm not violent at all. I'm not at all violent. <laughs> don't seem I'll, very I'll be violent. running the other way. I'll be scared. <laughs> no, I'll tickle them under the arm and, and try and seduce them with a with some logic that isn't going to work. Yeah, often, kill it with kindness it? or logic. Kill That's it with the kindness. Best way, isn't it? KKK. Um, <laughs> for anyone um, who doesn't know what this book is, and I'm sure if you've been coming into Rough Trade or you, you'd go to bookshops a lot, you probably would have seen it. It's got a very um, eye-catching cover in a kind of red, black and white. Oh, it's this great cover. It kind of reminds me of album sleeves. It's really... Yeah. Know, how do you describe it? Well, the, the, the influence was from a Russian constructivist artist called El Lizitsky. 
and he did a painting in 1917, 18, 19, uh, which was beating the the whites with the red wedge. And that so the, the red symbolizes that, the red, white and black. And it's also the colors that are of the red wedge movement. Yeah. The colors of of um, rock against racism and the black and white, obviously, of two-tone. So it was drawing back to a, to a, a past history to inform a new history, which is very much what, you know, the the people within the movements wanted to do. They felt the the measure of history and the importance of it. And from learning and using that history, whether it was graphically, which Rock Against Racism massively did, yeah. or with ideas that Red Wedge did. And um, then then you, I think each new generation can draw from the past and carry something forward, which is... I think the theme of what is making perhaps this book present now mm. in that that so much this is really the last time a youth generation used the power of music to try and achieve a greater society and a, a, a and a society that addressed the issues of gender differences and race differences and social and class differences and and proved um, that with that music can change the world, a debate I continually have with Billy Bragg. I mean, in fact, even <laughs> only at Glastonbury a couple of days ago, I was, found myself pointing my finger at him, saying, "See, music can change the world." As you know, and we were talking. Was of, Billy Bragg saying that it couldn't? No, he doesn't think it can. He thinks that the music, the music, he says that the power is in the listeners and in the audience. And I, oh. and I use the word conduit, and he said, I'll go for that. We're conduits. And I, I don't have that, because if you don't have the lyricism or, or, of Billy Bragg or the, the lyricism of Skepta or of Kate Tempest mm. or of the specials, if you don't have those songwriters and those musicians uh, urging you to sing and take on the energy and the ideas that are within the song, mm. then you have nothing. But with them as catalysts, they can inspire a whole audience and do inspire audiences, but without the music, you have nothing. So therefore, in my mind, music quite clearly changes the world because people change the world. And that's, it's as simple as that. If one person does something, they're in effect changing the world. But it's the size of that change, isn't it? And so the, the one major thing in this book would be the song Nelson Mandela. With the with the anthemic title "Free Nelson Mandela," the demand to free an imprisoned man yeah. after 27 years in captivity, and for his political views, because he believes that white people and black people in his country should be allowed to live alongside each other peacefully. Such a simple idea, and yet he was labelled as a terrorist by the British government. And then Jerry Dammers becomes informed about this man, writes a song. And with and and it's Tracy Thorne, you know, of everything but the yeah. girl. She says, you know, the, one of the most beautiful things about the book uh, about the song is that it was the tiny detail, t shoes too small to fit his feet. That was Jerry's lyric, and she said it was just on that tiny piece uh. of detail that the 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 understanding of an imprisoned man was born in her mind. And then then Phil Jupiter says it's the greatest political song ever because it has the greatest dance track behind it the greatest tribal rhythm if you like that kind of soul scar thing that the specials and jerry dammers did so well and on top of so it so wherever you hear that song you you you're compelled to dance and equally as you sing along you understand who nelson mandela was who the Ashen african national conference co congress were and what the 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 issues of the anti-apartheid movement was which is really exciting. It's amazing. You know, I think we music. should. I think we should put it into the podcast now. Oh, okay. Do you want to introduce it? This is Nelson Mandela by the Special AKA, which leads to the Clapham Common anti-apartheid concert, quarter of a million people, which in turn leads to Nelson uh, two Wembley stadium concerts, of which the second one, the guest of honour, standing on stage with his fist aloft. Is, is the free man, Nelson Mandela. Free Nelson Mandela. Free. Free. Free, free, free Nelson Mandela. 
Fantastic. Thank you for that. Good to get a song in early. I just thought that if I was a listener I'd, and you were talking so passionately about that, I'd want to have a listen myself. Yeah. So that's good we did that. Yeah. And, you know, that concert at Wembley, which mm. is the end piece of this book, 600 million people watch that globally on television. Wow. So Wembley Stadium's packed. It's got the biggest stars in the world. And it's all, and it's pop music. It's pop music demanding change of the world. That has got to be the greatest example, I think, in the history of rock and roll, of the power of a single... It's not just the song, Nelson Mandela, because there was a whole protest movement and the activists around it and the campaigners and Margaret Thatcher herself in private conversations with President Boto. It was mm. all in, in the, it was all happening, but it was coalesced and the, uh, uh, by music and more so it won over a youth generation and 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 the, the i think the argument that's most important to me in walls come tumbling down is that's the end piece and and what's the, the what's the beginning piece and the beginning piece is a mid 70s britain that that like today is divided by the issue of race who is british and who has the right mm. to stay in this country and in 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 the past Casual racism was eff was every day in pubs, whether it was to do black people, the Irish people, women. It was on television where you'd have the, yeah. the black and white minstrel show with white people blacking <laughs> up. Alf Garnet swearing about the niggers and the wogs and the coons daily on sitcom TV. And then at the in the height of all of that, you have the world famous blues rock guitarist Eric Clapton, who stands on stage in, at the Birmingham Odeon asks all the foreigners in the audience to put up their hand and then having identified them, he told the niggers and the wogs to, and the packies to go back to their own country. I know, I've just been watching that, I've been reading all about it just before you got here and watching it online and there's kind of transcripts that have been made on YouTube you can watch. It's just absolutely unbelievable. We had a good chat with this before, we probably shouldn't go into it too much unless that is a big part of the book, but I just, you, you can't believe that happened and you can't believe that it was gotten away with and you can't believe that it's not addressed more now. Yeah, I mean, Luckily, the, I think we live in a world where that, that, wouldn't, that would not happen now in, in the way that it did. Yeah, I, don't think. I mean, the importance of it is that a letter was written yeah. uh, by, by an activist. Just, some, just a, a guy, Red Saunders, wrote a letter because he read the review of the event. And he was an activist on the left who's in a theater, radical theatre company. He wrote a letter in complaint and it had this incredible last line which said we need a rank and file movement against the racist poison in rock music and he was inundated with letters from all around the country I want to join Rock Against Racism how do I do it how do I do it what happens and they set up this little ad hoc group of this this tiny collective of people that you know uh, if, if you saw them and you heard them and talk you'd think you lot come on I know you've got great <laughs> ideas but really where, where's this going and where it goes within two years time they put on one of the greatest uh, events in in music history, which is the the, the um, Victoria Park, East London Carnival against the Nazis, where they you know Red Saunders was on the day uh, the day before was making cheese sandwiches, filling up his bath, thinking that the amount of people that came he'd be able to feed, <laughs> <laughs> and instead more than eighty thousand people came, and. And it and it's it's a, it's a magnificent story and that and that that so that's the that that's the beginning point. Yeah. Racist Britain in the seventies. The end point is through all the things that then happen over this sixteen year period. The youth generation are flipped to think the coolest thing to be is anti racist. Yeah, but that's kind of what we saw, and you probably saw at Glastonbury. Like you know, the cool thing now is to be with Corbyn. Like it's just cooler. It was nuts at Glastonbury. You know, I was, I, was, I was down the front at Radiohead. Yeah. And out of nowhere, this chant of, oh, Jeremy Corbyn. It was and, everywhere. And then you go, so, yeah, exactly, wherever you <laughs> so went. It was in the queues on the way in. It was in Arcadia, that big spider with all the flames coming out of the top in, oh, the, yeah? in the dance area at three in the morning. It was like, <laughs> it would get to this kind of, like, the crux, like the, the bass is about to drop and suddenly someone, like the, the DJ would be like putting it on. Oh, Jeremy <laughs> <laughs> but the, the crazy so thing good. is, like, he's a pop star, isn't it? Yeah, but, but it's but it's because people believe in what he's saying and and the things that he's saying, they're like 
yeah, that is how I feel. And yeah, I will follow this man and I do understand what he's doing. And he's likable. He's he's cool. The, the way he got on the pyramid stage and said stuff like that and was so charismatic and it's kind of personal, looking everyone in the eye and meaning it. Yeah. Doesn't need some notes. Does he just he's just saying it because he knows it and he, what he's saying is is relatable and and true and makes people feel something. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and it's the and same. Stra- and straight after that, he came over to the left field stage and then and yeah. they did a kind of a thirty minute speech and and, and I, I you know briefly said hello to him after which is which is great. But the, but the but I think more interesting is because um, in a moment we'll probably talk about red wedge and what that was. But there's yes. an, an instant parallel because when. J- Prior to the election, JME, who had been uh, uh, really uh, taken by how Jeremy Corbyn talked about kind of the world that he knew yeah. in East London, he approached Corbyn and said, I'd like to do something on the Labour Party behalf, you know, and it ends up being a 10 minute film, didn't it? Yeah. But, the, but the point was that, that Jeremy Corbyn came back and said, let's not make it party political. Let's make it simply political. And the only message that I will address is to register to vote, no more than that. And so he had a chat about issues of the day and Jamie really questions him. And then their combined um, Twitter following is like a million and a half or something crazy. But the point is it was just register to vote. And then at, on the left field stage, Jeremy Corbyn said that in the in the couple of final weeks before polling day, more than two million people had registered to vote. Yeah. That's incredible. It's amazing. You know, isn't that, it? that kind of thing changes the history of the world, doesn't it? Through through democracy. It does. And and seeing seeing crowds like in the in the footage of um uh, the Victoria Park show, what year was it, did you say it was seventy eight. Seventy eight. The footage of that, you can you can see this enormous crowd of 80,000 people, whatever it was, in Victoria Park. And just seeing that, seeing crowds makes you feel like you want to be part of something. Seeing Twitter followers, seeing Jeremy Corbyn's pyramid stage crowd, which couldn't actually fit into that field. It makes you want to be part of it. The more people, the more... I don't yeah. know, it gives it a bit more, I don't know. You want to be part of that crowd. Well, let me let me give you a, a kind of a longish feed into another song to play. In that Great. The, 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 the Clash played that day, but in actual fact, the headline of the day was the Tom Robinson Band. Mm-hmm. And they sang a song called Sing If You're Glad To Be Gay. And uh, in the crowd was a young lad called Billy Bragg. And he got he he was there because of the clash. But when they sang that song, he said that all the people around him, uh, gay people, started kissing. And he said I'd, he'd never seen an out gay person before. Oh, and at first he wow. thought, aren't we here for black people? And then he realised in an instant that this was a moment where all minorities were going to come together and fight against fascism. And that... Uh, and so he gave him a strength that he could then go back to his workplace on the Monday morning, feeling the that that he that his generation had now got a stance and something to stand behind. And it's and and you know the idea in a in a riven world where um, if you're not straight and white and British, then you risk being beaten up and a, and a man gets on a stage and makes 80,000 people sing along to this song, Sing If You're Glad To Be Gay. This song is dedicated to, work, to the World Health Organization. It's a medical song and it concerns a disease whose classification according to the International Classification of Diseases is 302 Point zero. Sing if you're happy that way. Hey, 
They still found excuses to call it obscene. Read how disgusting we are in the press. The Telegraph people and Sunday Express. Molesters of children, corruptors of youth. It's there in the paper. It must be the truth. Try and sing if you're glad to be gay. You're perfectly safe as you walk down the street You don't have to mince or make bitchy remarks To get beaten unconscious and left in the dark I had a friend who was gentle and short He was lonely one evening, he went for a walk Queer bashers caught him, kicked in his teeth he was only hospitalised for a and he still bears the scars Sing if you're glad to be gay Sing if you're happy that way Hey, sing if you're glad to be gay Sing if you're happy that way And sit back and watch as they close down our clubs Arrest us for meeting and raid on our pubs Make sure your boyfriend's at least 21 So only your friends and your brothers get done Lie to your workmates, lie to your folks Put down the Queen's tell anti-queer jokes Gay lives ridiculous, join their laughter The buggers are legal now, what more are they after? Sing if you're glad to be gay by the Tom Tom Robinson Tom band. Robinson band, fantastic. I don't, like, imagine imagine being young Billy Bragg in that crowd, just seeing <laughs> everyone start kissing. Brilliant! <laughs> this is great. Just tell me stories all afternoon. Rock Against Racism was anti-establishment. It was doing it outside of Parliament. But the the, the incredible thing that that happens in the Billy Bragg journey is that as he experiences as a fan and then as a musician, the, t the two-tone movement and yeah. then the, the women's movement that really takes hold in the early 80s through, and, and Greenham Common and then the minor strike is that more and more artists were galvanised to want to come and use their guitars as a weapon against the government of the day, against the austerity of the, of the day, against the, the demonisation of, of the working class and, and, and against the deindustrialization that was happening across the country. And it culminates with Billy Bragg and Paul Weller and, a, and an amazing girl who I met for the book, uh, a political activist called Anna Joy David, who form Red Wedge. And Red Wedge form an alliance with the Labour Party, but they retain their autonomy. They're, and so they're, they're for the Labour Party, but not of the Labour Party. And they okay. have a very simple idea. Uh, they, they want to oust Margaret Thatcher at, at, from, uh, as the leader of the Conservative Party at the next general election. But they simply want to do it by, one, inspiring young people to be political. And secondly, to make sure that people, uh, young people register, register to vote. Because in this period... Of 18 to 24-year-olds, 6 million were unregistered to vote. No. And that figure's equitable with today until the current election. Wow. And, and in return, all these pop stars of the day with their wacky haircuts and whatever else, they offered tours, comedy tours, DJ tours, and, and said, in return, we want an influence on Labour Party policy. 
so that so that a youth generation can be represented in the way that we think you should be represented in, in Parliament. And it's the only time in, in, in I keep on saying rock and roll history, but it's true. <laughs> it was the only time where there was a chink of light of a door to go into the corridors of power and just to see whether change could actually be made, not from outside, but within uh, parliament, literally, and in a democratic way, and it's an and it's an extraordinary story. Um, I think that's kind of similar, isn't it, to what happened with the, with the general election recently? It's because even though Labour weren't successful, but it did feel like if we all come together and do these little things, you yeah. can actually make a difference. And everyone just is kind of riding off that, like, oh, okay, you know, maybe next time if we keep doing this, it, we could actually get further. And it does, you know, it kind of makes you feel like there's possibility rather than. A, shut, a closed door. You're right. It's yeah. like seeing a chink of light, being like, okay. That's the, that's the thing. And I think one, one of the most incredible initiatives that I came across, which Anna Joy David did, was she set up things called day events. And wherever there was a, a Red Wedge concert in an evening, she had previously spent time uh, going around the country trying to find disenfranchised kids um, whether that was in youth centres or wherever else. And, and, and in the afternoon, she put on a meeting where up to maybe a 1,000 people were coming to a church hall or a youth hall or wherever. And there would be a couple of pop stars on, the, on a panel, which would be the equivalent today of having, uh, you know, Skepta there with Kate Tempest and Adele yeah. and, and Alex Turner. And, and, and then in those days, you'd have members of Madness or Paul Weller yeah. or uh, Richard Coles and the Communards, whoever, alongside a national politician and a local politician. And the idea was to allow these kids who thought that politics wasn't for them to have a a di direct expression with the panel and then that information will be fed back to parliament to neil kinnock the leader of the party to so there so the voice carried directly through wow. to westminster so change could happen which is a history that i never ever read about before and it was incredible to understand it that's and think this is, this is where we're at now you know yeah that's cool you must have just found out so many incredible stories and anecdotes in your time making the book how long did it take you to to pull all these stories together and um it took about 18 months and what i decided to do was was meet as many people as I possibly could uh, that who, who had directly influenced or had made these movements or made the changes. And that turned out to be just over 100 people from yeah. pop stars, parliamentarians to the activists themselves. And with all these incredible stories, I, I decided it was best to take my voice out and tell the whole book through their voices. So it's an it's like an oral narrative or how yeah. you watch a, a documentary where there's not a voiceover, you just hear... Kind of talking heads. Sort yeah, of. exactly, yeah. 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 And, and so it feels like a, a play script and, and, and it's, you know, from the horse's mouth as it was. And, and you get all these great contradictions where people say, and we, then we did this and climbed up here. And somebody else said, no, we didn't. We, <laughs> we, were, we were over there and you didn't climb up anything. I climbed up there. I put the flag. No, you didn't. I, you were making the tea and they all argue. But they can't argue that an event happened. And, and so there's a lot... Yeah. Yeah. fun in it you know and people trying to do good and sometimes getting it really wrong and messing up but the, but the but but the point is they achieve you know incredible things not least in you know a band like um the specials or or or, or, or the selector mm. and um and 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 this was this is you know two, the two-tone movement was uh was uh influenced directly by Rock Against Racism and put black and white musicians on the same stage together, in bands together, yeah. which previously was quite a, a rare and unknown thing. And But but as, as a... Uh, uh, to... to uh, what's the word? To... Um, as a uh, to say, well done. I can't think. I can't think of a better way to put to it. Applaud, to applaud this this achievement, they were confronted often at two tone gigs with rows of uh, right wing uh, fascists, Zieg Heiling down the front and chucking stuff at the black members no of, way. of these bands. Yeah. So there's extraordinary tales that get told, particularly by Pauline Black. Yeah. Of how. Um, what they did to, to stop fascism in, in, in the dance hall and these people jumping on the stage and fights breaking what out. What did and, they do? Well, one, one incredible thing they, they tried to do was they, be, they staged a fight 
uh, amongst the band members. So you'd be what you'd be listening to Three Minute Hero, which I yeah. think is going to be my chosen track. But Three Minute Hero, and then the, the they would drop the instruments down on the floor, and then the members of the band would start fighting each other. And the idea and the idea was was it would really shock the audience, and then and then shame the audience into because they were. Provide, seeing a mirror of what they were doing, which was ridiculous, because you just want to enjoy the music. Wow! And then they'd get back up and and get and get on with it. <laughs> That's amazing. Is there any footage of that you there can is, find? There is. If you if you if you can find the Dance Craze film, which is this ninety minute film of all the two turn bands, one after another, in concert with really tight close camera work, so you feel like you're on stage with amazing. these bands. At first, you'll see the specials just falling around, mm. and then you'll then then you'll see the specials where you can't see where the stage is because Jerry Damage used to invite the whole audience onto the stage <laughs> and literally you'll see this you can't tell who is the band who is the stage who is the audience and then in the selector footage you'll see you'll see the fight and it's it's just bonkers but but you know it's musicians taking their social and political role really seriously because they they're writing about it and they're trying to act upon it yeah. and they've come up with a theatrical device and it may have been flawed and it may have worked sometimes and may not another time but but it's a brilliant idea you know to do that isn't it i mean can you imagine the arctic monkeys doing that <laughs> no not at all but i'm sorry to go back to glastonbury but it is on my mind because it was only last week but there was a the first band that i saw was angel olsen and she got she was on stage and played an amazing set at the park stage and at the end she said, I apologise because I'm going to make a speech, but I've had the, the luxury of being offered a platform and I'm going to use it. And I think a lot of bands at the moment are, are kind of thinking to themselves, maybe like the selector did, well, we've got the luxury of a platform, so maybe we should just say something or do something because you may as well while we're up here. And I think that's a really cool attitude to have, and as Kate Tempest did as well. You yeah, know, she yeah. kind of she could have done her normal set, but she used that time to make new material to get a point across because she knew that crowd was going to be switched on and open to it and kind of hungry for it as well. She spoke the words of Theresa May, didn't she? And, yeah. and didn't say that until after she'd said them. And so there was kind oh. of cheers, and then she said, "And those are the words of Theresa May." Yeah. And that that reminded me of when Yoko Ono did that as part of the John Lennon Ono band. In, I think it was the late, uh, early 70s and she what read she out do? a speech and, uh, and, and it had a similar effect where you know you could be galvanised by the speech in the way that Kate Tempest uh, was doing and then she said those are the words of Adolf Hitler so it has a history again what Kate's doing yeah. but yeah I, 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 what did Angela Orson do? You know what I can't remember because I was too emotional <laughs> <laughs> so she, she basically did a she wrote a very beautiful short speech about the importance of good and love and togetherness at this time and kind of it was it was it was galvanizing in that it concentrated on strength and coming together as as and using kind of power in numbers but it wasn't it wasn't um as kind of angry as, as Kate. But that, this is the more... yeah this is the really important thing isn't it that you can you know in the in in the the social media world we can feel like we're part of an, an enormous army mm. but we we won't ever feel that and we won't hear our hearts beat and because they've been thunk by a deep bass you know and when we go to places like Glastonbury or if we go to small gigs and and somebody from the stage speaks out either in their lyricism or in the the, or in the, the the feel and power of their music, which could be instrumental, like how Fela Kuti would do it, mm. or if they make in between speeches and they rouse us and 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 charge our activism, you know that that that's a really incredible thing, and it and it's something that I think will have an increasing power over people, um, including myself, because it's easy to be drawn into screens, isn't it? And you want a, yeah. a visceral, real experience. I, I was really pleased that Kate Tempest did that because I'd seen her one time play in Brixton and she talked about, she kept on repeating this phrase, state of emergency, which is a stiff little fingers title. But she kept on saying we're in a state of emergency, but she wasn't party political. And, when, and I've subsequently heard her talk about saying that we're beyond politics and I'm not quite sure what that means. But then on Glastonbury, she was directly 
um, calling the words of our current prime minister and challenging an audience to say, are these the words we want to live our lives by? It was a brilliant moment, wasn't it? Maybe we could put a bit of that into the podcast, shall we? Yeah. Okay. This is Kate Tempest's speech uh, live at Glastonbury only a few days ago in 2017. Strong and stable into ruin. School kids on the hunt for lunch. Cut the apron strings. At least it keeps the bastards lean and gets the scroungers off the crouch. Murdoch headlines, leeches for the letting of our bloodlust. Blame it on the migrants suffocating in containers. Blame it on the Muslims or whichever current favourite takes the weight of our collective hate and keeps the nation safe. Privatise and privatise in private. Let the nurses burn along with every other resident who voices their concern. And yes, divide the country into will they never learn and will they never stop then bring the army out to guard us tell us these sick-hearted martyrs will not test our liberal values locked in the panopticon we're volatile and fragile such stability meanwhile suicides increasing more rough sleepers ugly words in public places fear and doubt and all the races have come out to show their faces under may there is a gulf that separates us and it seems to gape a little wider every day now watch her pray on every tragedy divide divide and frenzy up the nastiness the them and us the human cost the rising threat we must be watched clocked and kept and screened and blocked if this is strength then we're all fucked but give them an inch and they'll set up shop i want to create a truly hostile environment her words not mine that was Kate Tempest's words, well, Theresa May's words, recited by Kate Tempest in an amazing performance by the wonderful Kate at Glastonbury. Fantastic. Also, you said you wanted to play a song by The Selector, which I think is a good idea. Um, unless that moment's passed, it's up to you. Yeah. Or, I don't want to keep <laughs> overriding your song choices with Well, my I think own. it was important because a lot, because I mean, it's a, it's a woman leading a band, mm. Pauline Black, uh, and she's a black woman. And I um, really made. A, a conscious effort when I put Walls Come Tumbling Down together to try and make the contributors uh, half women and half men to see if it's possible because rock music, I mean, I'm not a, a journalist, I come from a music, a music background, but um, but music books and rock journalism is written about men by men. Hello. And I thought I'd love a music <laughs> book that women want to pick up and find out about a women's history and it was perfect for this period because there's, there's a tremendous women's history. And to hear that yeah. being told is really, really exciting. You know, at the time where Rastafarianism was was the dominant idea uh, and melding itself with punk, as we heard in things like The Clash. And, uh, and at the same time, that that movement wasn't be, wasn't embracing women and women in bands were coming to the fore for the first time in bands like the Slits mm. and the Modettes and obviously Pauline in the Selector and it continues and um, and I think it's Rankin Roger of the Beat who talks about saying I'm a 21st century Rasta now and, and these kind of ideas we have adopted more so 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 I'm choosing Three Minute Hero to hear a, a women a woman's voice singing and it's a charge to to, to people who have maybe mundane lives or lives that they're that or people that live more for the weekend mm. are in dead end situations or lives and this song makes you feel as in the title three minute hero that just for those minutes you can shine as as uh, alongside any great star or whoever Oh, 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 
That was Three Minute Hero by The Selector, written by Neil Davis, sung by Pauline Black. Fantastic. Um, I feel like we keep on going off on tangents, which is fine because there's so much to cover. And I just think anyone who is still listening or enjoying the podcast should just get this book because I don't see there's a reason why anyone of any age or any background or as you just said, you know, it's if you're a man or a woman, like wherever you're from, whatever, just get the book and start reading it because it just all these things are so important and they're so relevant today. And I just, yeah, I can't wait to read it. And yeah, I mean, it's that it's that idea of of, of minorities uniting. Yeah, that, that's the thing. And that and, and just that music can can galvanize, you know, and um uh, that that might be a, 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 you know you mentioned about reading a, a, a wee extract. Yes. So, a, 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 there's a little paragraph I wrote, which kind of maybe encapsulates not what what the feel of the book is, mm-hmm. rather than what it is. If you know what I mean, shall I? Shall I give that? I, a, I go, would love you to read out some of the book. Yes. All right. So it's it. only short paragraphs. Okay. Because because uh, yeah. So what? Uh, Walls come tumbling down, charts the battle for the music and political terrain of Great Britain when youth culture demanded a voice, when counterculture became national news, when politicians campaigned alongside contemporary pop stars and when the political persuasion of musicians was important as the songs they sang. The 16-year period between 1976 and 1992 was characterised by badge-wearing, flag-waving, rioting, marching and partisan alliances. Political activism brought a young electorate to an understanding of the ideological struggle. It brought them to protesting on the streets, to free festivals, to concert halls, to rallies, to comedy gigs across the country. And finally, it brought those ideas to Parliament. The revolutionary spirit was that of people unity. Governments crack and systems fail. Lights go out. Walls Come Tumbling Down. Lovely. Those are the lyrics of Paul Weller and the song Walls Come Tumbling Down. Amazing. Um, you, I mean, you must have, in, you did interview kind of hundreds maybe of people for this book. So I wanted to know if there's anyone you got in contact with and interviewed to get information for that maybe, uh, maybe was their input surprising or who I, who I suppose was the person that really sticks out to you when you think back of who you spoke to for the book? Wow, I mean, um, uh, there's, there's several, I guess. I mean, it was it was quite incredible to speak to Linton Kwesi Johnson mm-hmm. as a kind of a, a, you know a, the 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 poet laureate of 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 Black Britain in many ways. Um, he's the, the fact that he wrote in the orality of his own countrymen and brought that that Creole to to his poetry and and in turn. Uh, with his um, musical relationship with Dennis Pavel, those beautiful words became songs, and and it's when you listen to those records that you hear an alternative newspaper to the day. Nobody would say uh, what Linton Kwesi Johnson said in song, and if if somebody had been murdered, he would categorically say in song, "The British police have killed this man," as he does. You know, you can't have that and sanitised Radio One or Two or, or you yeah. know, and 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 interesting enough, as a black man, uh, Linton at first rejected Rock Against Racism because it was the argument of. Who are white middle class liberals to patronise us, telling us that our struggles are beginning now? We've had struggles as long as forever, and so he, and along with many many people rejecting that these notions. But within a matter of years, he saw the great good that was happening and the change that was happening amongst uh, white kids um, who were suddenly going. All oh, right. I've never considered black people. I've never considered black music. I've never considered gay people. I've never considered women. And these ideas that I'm being, I'm learning at concerts and and in their and in their literature, it's changing me as a person. And Linton talks about this more eloquently than I could ever do. Amazing. And and it was beautiful and wonderful hearing him. You know, likewise, you know, there's there's many politicians. Some of them are politicians we know today, like. Um, Tom Watson today is the, the the deputy leader of the Labour Party and the uh, deputy uh, departure for culture, media and sport. 
Then, in this book, he was uh, uh, the librarian at Labour Party headquarters, at the, standing at the <laughs> photocopier with Phil Jupitus. Wow. Uh, and Phil was, at that point, Porky the Poet. And uh, they would swap uh, stories of who the great new band was. And, uh, and they'd spend hours when they should have been working. In fact, Tom's job at that point was to provide all the clippings for the leader of the Labour Party and send them over to Parliament. And he was meant to, uh, Neil Kinnock always wanted his clippings by 11 o'clock a.m. And he used to always get them by the afternoon because Tom was just so excited to hear about this new band that Phil was telling him about. That's and, great. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It must have been so fun making this book. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's an incredible thing to, to come across People have done extraordinary things in their lives, and and just to sit and hear those stories, it, that that was the 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 total joy. And and then and then just you know to talk about that that music provided the backbone of that. And then yeah. you go to the soundtrack, and it's like, oh wow, these have got to be some <laughs> of the best records that have ever been made. You know, it's just yeah, that was brilliant fun. I saw on your website you've got um, playlists readily available for anyone that wants to kind of hear the soundtrack to the book. I love the idea that books can have soundtracks. Yeah, it's a great thing. Yeah, exactly. So because you know, if you if you if you, it, we all know that if we get into a band, you know, you want to know all aspects of that band, don't yeah. you? Though you want to check out the shoes they're wearing, or yeah. you know, what books they read, or uh, you know, where they go for inspiration, and you and it, and it and it gives you inspiration and it can inspire you, doesn't it? Yeah, and, it does. And so if you read a book and there's a soundtrack, yeah, of course. Um, what is going to be your next track today I'm going to give you two more oh great Uh, well because of the title of the book Mm -hmm. which um, I I knew immediately it should be called Walls Tumbling Down and and because Paul Weller wrote when he was in the Star Council one of the most didactic uh, political songs he ever wrote in his life uh, uh, and with a kind of lyricism that you just cannot imagine today. I mean, it's a, 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 a devastating attack on on right wing values, and a, and a and a call to arms of a kind of a socialist, bring people together through people unity, to, and change can be made. And and so it really should be that song. But I think I asked Jerry Dammers, he who established Two Tone and formed the specials, about walls come tumbling down. And he said, you know, that whole concept is the idea of when the trumpets uh, were sounded and the wall of uh, Jericho fell. And he said, in more recent times, archaeologists have proven that the the wall was undermined, and it wasn't music alone that brought the wall down. And he said, now that's a good point because it isn't just music that can make change. Uh, so this is uh, Paul Weller, uh, Walls Come Tumbling Down, which he, he, he's in the intro. Are you going to try and make this work or spend your days down in the dirt? You see, things can change, yes, and walls came tumbling down. Hey! 
Walls Come Tumbling Down by the Star Council, as written by Paul Weller. Fantastic. And Paul, if you're listening, hi. <laughs> sure he is. <laughs> right. Um, well, we're coming up to the end, so I'm just going to ask you to pick your last one. Maybe something, I mean, we've kind of already summed up the book. What else can I ask you? You've done The Selector, talked about Kate Tempest, we've played her. What else do you think? Is there a part of the book that you particularly like people to concentrate on that maybe would otherwise get overlooked or a part of the book that you think is really special? Well, we, ha- we haven't played any reggae music. Okay. And, and, and I met um, all the British reggae bands, the first British reggae bands this country had ever had, which were Steel Pulse, Aswad, Misty and Roots, Dennis Bavel Matumbi and uh, Linton Kwesi Johnson. Yeah. Uh, I think of, hopefully I haven't, forgotten anybody I've got a dreadful feeling there's one other and, but perhaps we should end with um, do you think we should have a Linton song or Steel Pulse song which we've already talked about Linton so maybe we should go well, Steel Pulse because yeah well at the, 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 the incredible thing about talking to many of the, 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 the black artists in the book is they went back into their childhoods and it was a chapter I hadn't originally imagined would happen and they talked about the experiences that they had growing up as first and second generation black youth and what that was like. And so David Hines, the, the singer of Steel Pulse, he, he, he talks in devastated terms about school days. So, you know, just as simple as when he would turn up, his, people would go, are you all white? Are you all white? And 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 you get and all these different phrases that he told me about ways to get at him because he wasn't all white, and and they talk about how if somebody doesn't come home from school, you don't phone up the school to see what happened. The first thing you do is you go down to the police station to see if they've been arrested, and wow. and and where at home you have a civilized upbringing with with strong Jamaican values. And then when you go out on the streets or you are at school or you're treated by members of the Her Majesty's Constabulary, you're t- treated as dirt. And they, they go, many of them told these kind of stories. And I, 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 wouldn't imagine, I would imagine it's not dissimilar to somebody who today perhaps comes from Eastern Europe or yeah. is a migrant or is a, is a nationality that that isn't being accepted in some parts of the country and the way that they prove themselves is by writing the most incredible music you can imagine hearing and 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 so there's so many possibilities of of what the steel pulse track could be but perhaps I'll I'll take the moment from the rock against racism carnival where they managed to hush 80,000 people to where a pin drop could be heard when they turned their away from the audience they donned Ku Klux Klan hoods they turned back faced the audience and sang the song Ku Klux Klan All I die 
So that, that, that was uh, the, the beautiful poetic writing of David Hines and his band Steel Pulse and the song Ku Klux Klan, where David imagined, the, the, the leader of the Ku Klux Klan at the time, uh, David Dukes, I think his name, had come over to Britain and because he was picking up on the feverish um, uh, uh, rise of nationalism, the, the, the National Front were beating the Labour Party in, in the local elections, much like... Uh, the rise of UKIP and, mm-hmm. and the EDL now, the rise of nationalism was so extreme that, that black people were fearing that they were going to have to find their passports or they were going to be deported. And and David imagined what would it be like to have a Ku Klux Klan uh, operating on the streets here and lynchings and, you know, you, people know the story of what happens in yeah, South America. Yeah. In fact, David also tells a story where he, t- he went with his band uh, to Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, performed the song Ku Klux Klan the day after in the same very place they performed there had been a lynching and no way you know up a tree you know the whole strange fruit and there yeah God there must have been so many moments of as you just said I mean that live performance when everyone you know went silent and you could hear a pin drop there must have been so many amazing moments like that in the history of music that have just changed so many minds and just done something where it's just someone on a stage doing something a bit different it's just giving out a message and it's so exciting to think of the ones to come <laughs> exactly it's great exactly the the, the musicians are there yeah. you know we have them in in young in, in we have it in grime we have it in, in women and we have it in in older geezers like Sleaford mods you know it, yeah. it, it's it's all there and it's all coming together in in an underground uh, scene that is in many ways is the internet it's the equivalent of of punk DIY yeah. do it yourself you can do anything you want outside of mainstream and establishment parameters and it, and it, and you can feel it really brewing up can't you it's yeah. exciting it's cool <laughs> <laughs> on that exciting note i think we better well yeah we should we better wrap it up i'm afraid um but thank you so much that was so interesting and engaging and i'm sure the book is even more so i mean i just can't wait to 
basically start reading it as soon as you leave this room. Um, but anyone else um, who hasn't been listening properly, the book is called Walls Come Tumbling Down um, and it's available now. Publisher is... Picador. Publisher is Picador. And I'm sure we can get your hands on a copy on the internet or in bookshops and that kind of thing. So thank you, Daniel, for coming in. And yeah, I suppose we'll see you again soon. Thanks, Liv. It's been really enjoyable. Great. Bye. Rough Trade Radio. You're dusty. You're dusty. Bedouin by Bedouin. They leave me. Available in store and online at roughtrade.com. Have I swam too far this time to make it back on my time? Reviews and subscriptions help to support what we do. So if you like what you hear, then please rate us on iTunes.